You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside the Fox 59 CBS 4 Podcast Studio, this is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast alongside Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins. I am Dave Griffiths. And Mike, the training camp in Westfield is a week old and already we have the topic that's going to be the most important for the next however many weeks that uh, are until the start of the season. Andrew Luck is not out there right now. He's not practicing with the team. He's going through walkthroughs because that's all he can do because his calf is still injured. Take us back to Tuesday when you're out there on the practice fields and Andrew Luck does not show up because this is after a day off on Monday. So you expect Luck to be back out there, but on Tuesday, what happens and what was the reaction from just learning yourself, other media fans out there that, hey, Andrew Luck, there's there's something that's not 100% right with this guy right now. Yeah, you, one of the first things you do is you count red jerseys on the practice field, and you count three and with the protective jerseys they wear, and one of them is not 12. So you, you start wondering, and, and uh, the PR guys tell us, well, it's not maintenance, it's the calf injury. And then your antenna goes up. What do you mean the calf injury? Because like you mentioned, this is after a day off. Because the, the first week he had two practices, if I'm not mistaken, a maintenance day mm-hmm. and then a practice day. And then again, day off, you expect him to come back and do at least what he had been doing. So th- there can be the, – the team can spin it however it wants. But there, there's no way this was is positive. It's not. Uh, we, we were talking I, – I, I'm sort of at DEFCON 3 uh, – and if he's not out there, they practice today, they practice Thursday, and then they have an off day Friday and come back Saturday. If he's not out there Saturday practicing, I mean, you've got to be concerned. It's been two and a half, three months already with this injury. Rest hasn't healed it fully yet. Do you think one more week makes all that difference right That was now? a good question was asked uh, to Luck, I believe it was, is why, if this hasn't been resolved with two and a half months, of rest, or not, not just rest, but of... Of rehab and of everything rehab. that goes on beside that we why, don't see. Why will five more days matter? And, and we'll see. Is, are you concerned? I'm not concerned that he's missing practice time. You know, we, we can you can kind of slice in the Allen Iverson practice. But, but I'm concerned that it's after three months, here is where he is. Now, whether this is somewhat more mental than physical, where... You've got a guy rehabbing who went through this with a shoulder the last couple of years and he didn't listen to his body enough. And now whenever his body says something abnormal where there's a twinge or whatever, he thinks, oh my goodness. And he said, you know, when, when you when you try to open it up, you're concerned, am I going to yank something or pull something? So is his, is his alert, on? is he on high alert when maybe he doesn't need to be? Or is, he, is his body telling him so? I don't know. I'm not sure what five more days of, of downtime is going to matter. Uh, again, I'm not concerned he's missing practice time. I'm concerned that after two and a half, three months, he's still not to work and practice consistently. What he said to the media, in direct quote is, quote, I still have emotional scars, end quote, from 2016, 2017, everything he went through those couple years, fighting through injury that looking back he knows he shouldn't have fought through and then trying to fight through a rehab that should have taken more time. So, like you said, and like Jim Ursay alluded to that one time months or even a year ago from now, it's it's between the ears for sure with Andrew Luck. We know that there's something physical wrong with him right now or else he'd be out there, but there's absolutely something mental 
that he has to get past as well. And one other thing he said, he said it is a setback. He admitted that, and that's one of the first things he said, Mike. And that's something that he he was very he avoided saying that word last right. year, but he was quick to even say, "You can say this is a setback." He preferred. I asked him. I said, "Is this a setback, or you're not where you want to be?" He said, "You can say setback. I would prefer to say I'm not where." I want to be. It, it's it, you know procedure surgery. It, it's the same. It's the same thing. So what 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 they've got it not they what what luck has to determine is again is his body really telling him back off, or is it saying you're at a point that you're going to have a little a little twinge, but you need to push through it. And right now it's it's kind of obvious that in his mind he, he says back off, uh, but at some point. Again, I'll be really, really concerned Saturday if he's not practicing. Then, then he's going to miss half a training camp. Uh, but, but if five days, if two weeks doesn't do it, what's going to do it? Not practicing until the week before the season starts. Hmm. So it's it's again, you don't want to panic. You don't want to really go off off the the charts with, with concern, but. Whenever we've we've talked about this, whenever your quarterback is not practicing, you have issues. Let's uh, continue to go through some of the quotes from Andrew Luck in front of the media from Tuesday. Um, he says, "I did not improve with the last three practices. We've got to go back to some simpler things with less variables." Now, Mike, we're out there for the portion of practice that Luck goes through, and there's not all that many variables that he go he he takes dropbacks, he takes handoffs. You know exactly what's coming. You know. Um, exactly what the next period is going to be. Even in seven on seven, no one's rushing you. You're not getting um, you're not getting pushed around in the pocket. So even the the few variables that he had out there on the field, they were uh, an controlled. annoyance. They were controlled. Exactly, they were controlled variables, and still right. he did not get better. And, and it's obvious what what he's not ready for, either re- truly not ready for in his mind, is the team period where. The control sort of comes off, right? You've completely. got to make you've got to make the quick drop. You've got to make a sudden change. You've got to do things unscripted, which really, if you don't trust your arm, if you don't trust your knee or your calf, you're hesitant, and he won't play that way. He's not ready to play that way. Another quote: "The nature of it, from Andrew Luck, the nature of the injury is a calf strain. I feel pain in my ankle area. I've had images, X-rays." Achilles is not an extra risk, so he throws that out there. There is no tear or swelling. So he kind of gives you a little bit of a glimpse into what he has heard from the doctors there. And I want to make one thing clear, too. People, you, you, you see words thrown out there that are medical terms that you might not know exactly what it is. Difference between a strain or a sprain. He, he says a calf strain with a T. A strain is an injury to a muscle or a tendon, which connects the muscle to a bone. That's different than a sprain, which is a stretch or a tear of ligaments that connect bone to bone. So that's a little bit of the minutia and the details about what exactly is wrong with Andrew Luck. And again, he says that in talking to Colts doctors and even to other doctors, he's talked to other doctors about this as well. So it's not just something you go to the Colts medical staff and you're like, oh, okay, whatever, that's what you have to say. No, he, he's gone and done some due diligence and looked elsewhere about this, but... The, uh, the opinions that he's gotten from these doctors is, again, a quote, there's nothing surgical you can do with a sprained muscle. And that's different than a, uh, than a sprain. Sometimes a sprain, if it's a torn ligament, you can have surgery to repair those, and then it just takes four, six weeks or whatever it is to, to heal back from that. With a sprain, 
there is nothing surgical that you can do. This is something that needs to be rehabbed. So it's something that he just has to plod through without the procedure or surgery that he could potentially have. And, and I think he mentioned the, the Achilles because the day or two before we had talked to Frank Reich, maybe it was a, a few days earlier, and the, how the cautious they've been with him. And he brought up Kevin Durant, how you know he's got, he had a calf strain, calf injury, came back, and the question was, did he come back too quick? And he tears his Achilles. And, you know, Frank Reich said, well, we never really talked about that out in the open. He said, but I thought about it. Hmm. And you had to think about it. So, again, this, we really got from luck, and occasionally we get this. We, we get some pretty good information, and he sort of bears – himself to us and you see how vulnerable he is where he says hey the emotional scars and you know he said i don't feel as uh, as alone as i did in 16 and 17 so uh this is something that's it's just eating him up he's trying to balance being the ultra competitor and the team guy who 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 knows you get better individually and as a team by practicing that's what you do yet he having gone through the the shoulder the last two years where it's obvious and he's told us that the first time he did that he if, if he didn't skip steps he hurried through steps and he said maybe i'm at steps what is it four or five i need to get to eight or nine right and he's not there it's those steps six seven or eight or whatever that he needs to get to and that's i think again truly trusting the calf to where you go out and you play i talked to some players today ross travis coming back from the ACL, and he said, you have to get to the point that you don't think about mm-hmm. the injury. And it's clear that Andrew Luck is not there because he's thinking about the injury. And Luck said, again, he's he's played in more pain, and that should be obvious to any Colts fan, that, that he's definitely played in more pain than he's experiencing right now. And whether Frank Reich is completely right in saying that, hey, if there was a game on Sunday, Andrew Luck would be out there, or if really that's kind of smoke and mirrors right now, I think that it's it's certainly not for sure. Uh, I, I'd love to take Coach Reich at his word, but I I just you can't say that for sure. I I can't tell you that for sure right here as someone who is covering this team and someone who has watched Andrew Luck and someone who saw his press conference and saw, like you said, how vulnerable he has been and has admitted either his shortcomings. I don't know if that's the right word, but just his um his mental approach to this injury, saying that the scars, the emotions, still haunt him. There is that something that concerns you at all? I think it should be concerning that it's still something that. Um, it, it sticks in your mind uh, that it's kind of there, even with this new injury. I don't think it's anything to um, to raise alarm over, but it's certainly something that you would rather not have him thinking at this time. Like you mentioned with the interview with Ross Travis, you, you've got to put injuries on the back burner. You've got to get get past that for you to truly be at your best. And Andrew Luck has not fully done that. And I don't know, I don't know how you get to that point because this right. this, this isn't one where you go to the trainers and say. Do you think I'm ready? Right. This is one where, again, he's got to decide when he's right to where he's dropping back and playing the position, and he feels something in his calf, and he has to just determine or be be confident that if that's just something you feel and you're not going to re-aggravate or whatever the injury, and he's not there yet. And a couple of things, that, that what he said there struck me, and also the part that He's not going to – he doesn't want to – he can't be an – he doesn't want to be average. Right. He knows that that's not what this team needs. It's not what he wants to be, and they can't be what they want to be if he's average. Well, one thing we can keep in mind is Andrew Luck being average is still better than a lot of quarterbacks. <laughs> it's probably better than 90% of the quarterbacks so, in the league. So 
it's to, to think he, he's, he's not going to say, until I'm 100%, I'm not going to play. That's not the case. But he's got to get to the point to where he trusts the calf. And, and the only way, to, I, I don't know how you know that, but it's going to be up to him. Because at some point, and we may be past that point, to where there's only so much the trainers and the rehab guys can do. And it's very clear from talking to Frank Reich is, is that this is really now Andrew Luck is driving this rehab. Mm-hmm. It's it's we'll get re, you know we're going to get some uh, some feedback from Andrew to see how he feels. And what he mentioned about even the other day that if there was a game this you know a meaningful game that Andrew, I think Andrew would play, but he said I need to check with Andrew about that. So, but it would be really interesting if if let, let's say this is a Sunday and, and they've got a game next Sunday and and. It's what whatever the term big game is. I when you play sixteen games, they're all kind of big games. Would he be ready to go out there? Would he be ready and willing and all that to go out and play? I, I don't know uh, because the biggest fear is to have this still be lingering. You go out there and then you start playing quarterback. And the thing about all the practice and all the preparation you do, once the game starts, it, it's the unknown that makes the really great players because how do you react to it? Because it's not scripted and you're going to have to make moves and, and all that. So I'm really interested to see how this thing plays out. In my mind, it's very key whether he practices this week because it's already clear from what Frank Reich said, Luck was never going to play game one or game four. He said even if he came in 100%, that wasn't the case. But now game two is very much in doubt. And in game three, will you put him out there just to play a little. I would like to think just a series so that your first game is not against the Chargers. Do you think he needs preseason football in order to be ready week one? I'd say yes. Normally I'd say no, but when there is when there is some some question, some mental questions that you have, I again I would rather my I'd rather get those out of my mind against what is it three game Chicago. Mm-hmm. I would rather do that than say, you know, I've done all I can do in practice, and my first snap is going to be against the Chargers. Against and, Melvin Ingram across from right. you trying to take your head off. And I remember talking to Edron James. He always had the nice the preseason hammy where it's just a little tight. <laughs> but I, I think you'd really like to have a running back, a quarter. Peyton Manning always said, just I want to get that first hit out of the way. Mm-hmm. Now, not, you know, not two or three, but the first hit. So does he need that? preseason to play quarterback no I think he needs that preseason game a series or whatever just to to erase any doubts that might be there because I don't think you can do that in practice and again if he doesn't get that preseason he's working his way back into being 100% Andrew Luck that that's going to happen in the regular season because it you can't do that in practice like you're saying and we were just talking back in the sports office about like the, how the Colts start this year. You start at the Chargers, at L.A., a playoff team from last year. I believe they were a 12-4 team last year, maybe even 13-3. I think they were 12-4. But nevertheless, they're a great team with high expectations this year. The next week is, again, on the road. You start back-to-back on the road. That's tough. Even if, though it's at the Titans, which the Colts and Andrew Luck specifically have owned in his career, it's still back-to-back on the road. Then you come back and it's Atlanta Falcons. And the Falcons had a down year last year because half the roster was injured. Two years ago, they were 28-3 up on the Patriots in the second half of the Super Bowl. I think they're more close to that team this year 
than they are to whatever they showed us last year when especially their defense was just ravaged by injuries. You have them. You have, I forget who they play week four, and then week five is at Kansas City. So you have three tough road games in your first five games before the bye. You face Patrick Mahomes. You face Matt Ryan. You face Phillip Rivers. Rivers. So you're facing very challenging teams right out of the gate um, that that you need to be up for. And if Andrew Luck is still working his way back during that time because he didn't have that time during the preseason, you're looking at another two and three, one and four start that you're going to have to climb back from. And last year, we think that that's an aberration that you can climb back from one and five consistently and make the playoffs. You do not want to start one and four. Not at all. Right. That, that's the thing. And how will this team respond if, if they go get up to that one and four start with, with high expectations where you know, all of a sudden, you know, you get the critics of now they're turning. People are turning on you. So it, there's just so many reasons for for luck to get out there and play a little bit. Just just a little. Again, I'm not saying play a half like you normally do that third preseason game at the half mm-hmm. into the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Not at all. And I'm not and I'm, and I'm discounting the fact that he's missing. Invaluable time with Paris Campbell, yep. with Devin Funches. Yep. I'm not worried about TUI. I'm not worried about Jack Doyle. They're or, fine. As TUI says, we'd be fine. We'd be fine. We'd be fine. So, uh, and, and that's what Ebron said. He said, "Did didn't you watch us out there the other day?" But but it's with the young guys. But when you boil it down, this will be all in my mind all about Andrew Luck. How is his mindset? And I think again, I'd much rather him get, you know, deal with the the uncertainties against the Bears at Lucas Oil for a quarter or whatever, then when all of a sudden it's it's Sunday, it's opening day, and you're against the Chargers in that pass rush. We've given you a lot of reasons to maybe be a little pessimistic about this, and that that's completely, I think, the proper response when the starting quarterback all of a sudden in week two of training camp is not out there when he's supposed to be out there with an injury that he's had since May or since April, whenever it was. If you're out there and, you're think, and, and you think, like, you're thinking that maybe Andrew Luck is not going to be 100% to start the season, or he might miss a lot of the preseason, or maybe even the first game. That's that's completely reasonable. I'm not going to talk you off the ledge for that. I don't think it's going to last too long into the year. But if you're if you're coming at this problem because of what how the Colts have brought along Andrew Luck this entire summer, that this is a real problem then I think you're completely justified in doing that. Luck himself says once again that absolutely week one is within reach is the question that he was asked and he said absolutely week one is within reach he told reach. us that about being ready for training camp too. exactly that's, and he that's said the thing. I did myself a disservice right. by saying that and, and he also says like I said he's played in more pain and for him preseason is quote a ways down end quote the priority list so from from his perspective maybe even right then saying it's a ways down the priority list he's trying to kind of lessen the blow if indeed he misses this entire preseason I would not be shocked if that is the case even though like we have said it would probably be good for him to be out there a little bit um if there is one game that he might be out there it, it would be week three if let's just say he misses week two i don't think you can put him out there week four nevertheless no. because you're not playing any other starters so you're, you're not going to put him out there week four maybe he goes out there week three for a little bit and what you can do is really i remember last year in that first preseason game excuse me preseason game against the seahawks when luck was coming back from his shoulder injury and he's out there for the first time like everything was so scripted and regimented like the first throw a little swing to marlon mack the ball was out of his hand as soon as it was in his hand try to do that if if you, if he's going to be there you can script it to where he's playing quarterback but not at risk and, and 
it goes back to the discussion we had earlier about variables and Luck saying that he needs to do right now simpler things with less variables. You can put him out there somewhat in a preseason with as few variables as possible just to get him out there and hopefully get him more acclimated to that situation. So if you see Andrew Luck this preseason, don't expect them, I don't think, to be doing seven-step drops, reading uh, the defense, having T.Y. Hilton trying to go over the top of everybody, or having Devin Funches going over the top of everybody. It's probably going to be a lot of dink and dunk. It's going to be quick passes. Maybe they'll try to get some longer ones in there. Maybe if I don't know exactly how the calf strain is impacting him, maybe they'll do a rollout to get him out of the pocket just to try to move him a little bit if they want to go a little bit further down the field. But it's certainly going to be a very vanilla version of this offense. As much as we've talked throughout the offseason, Mike, of um, like being able to expand the offense this year and open up the offense this year because Andrew Luck will understand it more. He has a better relationship with Nick Sirianni and Frank Reich. In the preseason, we're not going to see any of that. And I doubt we would have even seen any of that if Andrew Luck was 100%. No, but we'd see it in practice. Right. That's where, that's where they, you know, we don't see it in preseason games, but we would see it more in practice, which we're not seeing. No. So right now, we've got Jacoby Brissett taking steps with the ones, and certainly a situation he's very familiar with. Um, I think that when Colts fans think about Jacoby Brissett, obviously they think back to two years ago and the admittedly disappointing season, more than disappointing season, disastrous season really the Colts had. Let's remember that that Jacoby Brissett should not, I would not expect that same Jacoby Brissett to show up this year in the sense that how, I don't want to say how bad he was because I don't think that's correct, but how how limited he was because there ill prepared because he was he was here for a week before yes, he started and then that, he started that's the right way to put it he was completely ill prepared to be the starting quarterback and then Scott Tolzien goes out and throws his first pass pick six to the Rams another interception and then hey it's Jacoby Brissett's team from there on out so now he's had a full couple years he's had a year and five days of training camp under this specific system he's got a much better offensive line in front of him so as much as you're maybe pulling a Chinese fire drill about Andrew Luck and being very concerned about him, uh, Jacoby Brissett is still more than a serviceable backup in the NFL. And if worse comes to worse, I think that he can perform better than he did two years ago. Oh, no question. Because, again, the, the Colts put him in such a awful situation. I mean, you know, they, they signed, or the trade was like September, I don't know, 1st? He didn't even have a full week of practice, no. I don't think, before that game. And, and then it became evident that they couldn't put Scott Tolzien back out there because none of their other players would have gone out there with him. <laughs> so, but, but my question is, and, and, and this isn't to disparage Brissett at all, but I think what we've seen, we've seen enough of him to, to, to think he might be able to do all right, but we don't know. He's the perfect example of, we saw just enough of him do things. You think maybe, but you really don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think he, you know, I, I think in a short term he could he could do all right. We've talked to Chris Ballard, and, and he's even used the word uh, he can manage games, which you you need your quarterback to do more. The quarterback's got to make plays. But uh, I, I think a lot of us were surprised that there wasn't more of a market or any market for Brissett in the offseason. There really wasn't. No. So I think locally here we all sort of inflated what we thought his value was. Having said that, I, I, I would not mind Brissett for a game or two 
you know, in, in year what three in the in, mm-hmm. in two in the system and three with the team, as opposed to what they put him through uh, two years ago. And I really think for Jacoby Brissett, the market for him might have been better two or three years ago, like right when it was happening. Right now, you've had guys come out and get drafted in the first round and really perform very, very well. So GMs and executives across the league are saying, well, if we need a quarterback, we don't need to trade for one. We can go out and we can just draft one in the first round. We can get Baker Mayfield um, if we have the first overall pick, and, and he can come in and be serviceable. We can draft Josh Allen and come in. He had a couple of really good games for Buffalo last year. Josh Allen did in his in his time there. Joe, you were say something? Well, plus, and you get him on the rookie contract. You trade right. for Brissett, you're going to have to pay him in a year right. so, if he plays well. So that's another factor that goes into it. It is, and it's an important factor for Brissett. I'm glad you brought it up because this is a contract year for him, Mike. So what happens in this offseason if indeed Andrew Luck will miss time or miss any time? This will, A, it's an important preseason. So we're going to see some extended Jacoby Brissett, and other teams are going to and see Philip some extended. Walker and Chad Kelly. And Chad Kelly, our boy, Chad Kelly. So well, now, now we are going to see Chad Kelly. We can let Chad Kelly play all he wants in Buffalo, okay? Uh huh. Yeah, for the, for the family and friends. He, I'm sure he will. They should. Frank Reich will put him out there. That that'll be the the little. Here you go, Jim. Here's your son in you front of the favor. Here you go. Exactly. There it is, right there. So Chad will play, um, and Jacoby will play, and Philip will play. All assuming that those guys stay healthy. You know, one byproduct of this, looking ahead, mm-hmm. and who knows how it goes, but l- let's say this calf lingers to the point that l- Luck can play at a, at a decent level, but it still bothers him. So now do you have to carry three quarterbacks in the regular season? <sighs> then it completely changes it, our it, roster it, makeup. It, and it, 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 the trickle-down effect with that, because if, if Luck's healthy, you carry two quarterbacks because that's all you ca- that's all you need. Right. But if, th- if this calf is an issue where – Again, he can play, and then you know misses a day of practice, and then you play. You might have to carry three quarterbacks, and that's what they do not want to do. Because that's the situation where, hey, if it flares up in the first quarter, if you get hit just the wrong way, hey, maybe you'll be back to play next week, but you can't play for the next two or three hours. So then if that happens, you really do need a Philip Walker there to back up Jacoby Brissett. You can't have Spencer Ware as your emergency backup Correct. or Pat McAfee as your emergency backup for three quarters in, in a so game that, like that. So that, it'll be interesting, it's interesting to watch to see if they, in their minds, they need a third quarterback simply because you can't trust the, the, the calf, whether for game or practice usage. And we were talking about just in our last podcast, when we were talking about roster makeup leading into this season, that uh, maybe a defensive lineman or a cornerback, they might carry one extra in one of those spots. I think we both we disagreed with the number with, with our roster specifically. But hey, if they Linebacker carry... Linebacker and defensive lineman. Yeah, yep. If they carry a third quarterback, then that's a moot point. Then our extra person gets thrown out, whoever right. it might have been. That's gone. Like That's probably the position that, hey, sorry, goodbye. We're right. going to have to carry somebody else somewhere else. Or so maybe it, even that sixth wide receiver that you were talking right. about maybe on the roster. Yeah, can't do that because you have to carry a Philip So that, that's why it, it's the, the, one thing affects another and yep. affects another. And so the, 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 ideally he comes out this weekend. He's back to doing the seven on seven. And then, you, you know, you ease him back in. And there's no, you know, setbacks or whatever you want to be. And then the, the week that you have the joint work with Cleveland, and then he's doing more. And again, there's there's no in my mind there's no chance he plays against the Browns. Play a little bit against uh, Chicago, you know. Then, then you don't play obviously, and then you're ready for the season. But these next these next four or five days, in my mind, are, are going to be critical as far as 
what are your expectations of luck moving forward? Here's how I feel about this situation. If this is late in the year and the Colts are fighting for a playoff spot or fighting for home field, or heck, if this is the playoffs, luck would be out there playing. If this is early in the season, if this is week one, week two, if this is the preseason, I don't think he's going to play. Not not if it's feeling like this. That's just that's just the sense that I get. Well, Because the problem is that once he's out there playing, it's going to be very hard for him to uh, – to, to, to like baby the, the calf because right. once you start playing you play mm-hmm. you play you react you can't and this is part of his game is the movement not necessarily the the scrambles and getting outside the pocket and running you you can I think if you're a quarterback you you can control that to, to not do that but there's so much again in the pocket sudden movement you plant your leg and then it, there's so much you have to do that's just instincts uh, so I want to see how, and again, if he's not a hundred percent when the season opens, at what level is he, is he okay with being at 80%, 90%? We'll see. It's a good question. And those are questions that we will have at least better answered over the next week or so. Um, we'll certainly talk about it plenty on future, uh, blue zone podcasts here. Um, but for now, we're going to put Andrew Luck a bit on the back burner because there's plenty of other things to talk about as well, of course, with Colts camp. We have now had our first full week, really, of camp. Started last Thursday. We're on to Wednesday is when we're taping this right now. Um, and Luck is not the only injury out there that's really to be concerned about. Um, one of the first injuries that cropped up during camp was that of Jabal Sheard. And, Mike, I believe it was either just last week or our previous podcast, somewhere recently, you thought that Jabal was probably the most underrated player on this Colts team. And if they're without him for a little bit, that could do a little bit of damage to the to the front seven. And I think they will be without him for a while. Yeah, that's what it seemed to indicate. I got Frank the we won't see him for the rest of the preseason, train, certainly training camp preseason. Will this linger into the regular season? I sort of think it will. Uh, and, and again, he he's that guy that he, he's just you just depend on him. You certainly don't take it for granted, but you just know that what what his job, whatever it is, he'll do it. When all of a sudden he's out, so then who takes his place? You know, Banigou, Ben uh, Banigou, Banigou. You yeah, know, Kamiko Ture, not because he's he's just in uh, Houston's backup, and, and Ture's right. missed the last four or five days, three or four days. There's another one. Yep. So it, it it just as deep as they are at that position on defensive line, you start losing a couple players, and all of a sudden that depth you had is getting eaten into very quickly. I think like what we talked about last week with our with our defensive ends and our putting them on our roster. Yeah, Houston and Ture, they're they're your right side defensive ends that can go after they're the left tackle. Rushers. Yeah, there's the big pass rushers. Uh Sheard, behind him you have either a uh an Al-Qadine Muhammad who did okay last year, but I don't know if I want him suiting up as your number one to take seventy percent of the snaps since Jabal Sheard is going to be there. And you have uh Gary Green, rookie out of Mississippi State, sixth-round pick. Um, maybe a Jihad Ward, even though he's kind of defensive tackle, he may be a little bit more of a flex player M- in there. Might you put Marcus Hunt back outside? That's quite possible. And Ben Bannigan. Lewis. Or Tyquan Lewis to get your best four too. out. Yeah. It would be one of those where you put Tyquan Lewis yeah. or Marcus or Hunt outside. Even, yeah. yeah. They want Autry inside. But, no, that, that's that's what when you lose these guys, it forces you to do things that – you're capable of doing, but it's not ideal for what you want to do. Right. So that, that that's what happens with injuries. And every NFL team has to deal with it, and how you react to them determines how well your season is going to be. You just hope that the injuries aren't to your most important players or to your most indispensable players. And really for the Colts, Luck is obviously their most indispensable player. And if you go to the defensive side of the ball, Jabal Shields probably a top three or right. top four indispensable player. I mean, if you're going to make that argument, you have Darius Leonard up there. You probably have Justin Houston up there. 
And then after that, it might be Jabal Sheard at number three or Malik Hooker Malik in the Hooker. back as well. Correct. So like those three or four, just off the top of my head, sound like your most indispensable players. So it's not the, these injuries are not hitting the part that you want them to hit. Not that you want injuries to hit, but for the for crying out loud, they're going to hit, and they seem to be hitting the Colts. At oh, you you look across the league. Was it AG AJ Green? Oh yeah, was, sixteen again, weeks is man, it? That guy it, every year. Right. Every stinking year. And this this year I was reading about that. Apparently the turf out there at the University of Dayton where they were practicing was like in really bad shape. And they had either had other stories that were done about that, and yet the Bengals were still practicing out there. And now he's out six to eight weeks because of, I think, I forget what it was, but it might have been a ligament uh, pull or something. Uh, Joe says yes. So if Joe says yes, then then I think that's what it was for sure. So, um, but that, so Yeah, you're going to have injuries. And they had watching practice – uh, this morning, Wednesday, it was God. There had to be twelve or fifteen players not practicing, mm-hmm. and you have to kind of go through: is it maintenance they right. give guys time off, or is it an injury? Uh, Jack Doyle, who's practiced quite a bit the first, you know, phase of camp, he's got an oblique he's dealing with, uh, but there are a handful of guys not practicing. Uh, Paris Campbell, the rookie who's made some great plays, he's got a hamstring, and they're they're not going to push. His hamstring, and so you, oh, you, no. you had like six or seven guys. Uh, Marcus Sent was out with maintenance. Clayton Gathers with maintenance. Uh, Jordan Wilkins, the running back, we're not sure what he had, but uh, uh, Ross Travis had the knees uh, ACL from last year. He's got a hamstring he's dealing with. Braden Smith, right tackle, was a groin injury he's, he's dealing with. So they're just they're just really. They, they, if you remember talking to Ballard and Reich last week, as they did these studies and they believe in it that. The first seven days, seven to ten days of camp is when the rash of injuries hits you. So they're really trying to, again, practice four days a day off, practice three days a day off. They're really trying to protect players as much as they can. Let me just say how much I love when people talk about, oh, he's got he's got a hamstring when it's just an injury. He's got an injured hamstring. Right. He, he, I hope he has two hamstrings is how I always <laughs> respond. To, to that he, he's got a head well he, i would hope so he's got a knee yeah he's got a knee yeah <laughs> that's where it's, it's funny we, we joke about that we you never joke when they, they'll say well it's minor surgery yeah <laughs> not a maybe on you not on me yeah right if you're if you're cutting me open right. to fix something inside of my body i think that is probably something that is i've had surgery on the inside of my mouth like for to remove a tendon that was like protruding between my two front teeth to get braces when i was younger Sure, okay, that might be a minor surgery if I'm a sprinter and I don't have to use my right. mouth, you know. But uh, B, I'm not a sprinter. That, that's that's <laughs> not in my DNA. I'm barely even built for distance. I'm not built for distance either. I'm built for being on the sidelines and talking about people. So any, anyway, that like my, to your point on minor surgery, these guys are professional athletes. And if you're talking knees or ankles or hips or anything that comes in a physical, more than just a violent football game but just a, a crashing together sporting event like football is a- anything nothing is a minor minor well, that's what we, one thing we, we sort of ask we, we make a point to ask frank Wright every, every day is in the update on jabal shared yeah because the the day you don't ask is the day that he was ready to say well you know he had his knee scoped right because there have been times like i remember with pagano well you got you guys know that you know player x had surgery no we don't how do we, how do we know that yeah so, but uh, you just really the, the important part is is the luck thing. We'll see how it plays out. But shared is the only one to this point that that seems to be more than minor because uh, I do think he's going to miss some time. 
and I think it's going to trickle into the regular season. Well, let's stick about with the defensive line for now um, because they have a, uh, a new addition in Justin Houston who's joining that group this year. Um, it's going to be the second year for Marcus Hutton and Nico Autry to be really both interior guys. Again, they both were exterior guys in the past. They moved them to the interior and seemed to do pretty well last year. What have your expectations, not expectations, what have your observations been of that unit so far and how they've performed through this first, these first couple of days of training camp? Very impressive. You see the disruption that they want. This, this defensive line is not to, uh, Occupy blocks mm-hmm. so the linebackers will make plays. This this is to get upfield and to make plays and be disruptive. Uh, the Colts had to lead the league or close in, in tackles for loss last year. That's what you want. Now this is not a big defensive line. I think we talked as a maybe one three hundred. Grover Stewart's the only one I think is right. over three hundred pounds. So, but but they want the quickness. They they want the uh, uh, again the disruptive force, and, and that's what they that's what they got last year. But when you again, when you start losing a player here or there, then then it just cuts into it. But they want to play with six, seven, maybe eight guys every game, keep people fresh, and wear you down. That that that's that, that's their whole approach, and, and it worked last year. We'll see if it can carry over. Justin Houston and Anthony Costanzo, those two guys going at it in practice. That been that's probably one of the best battles that we have seen. When those two guys are on the field, they've both taken a little bit of time off because they're veterans. They get maintenance days. But those two, if you're going out to practice in Westfield, that's something that you got to watch when there's 11-on-11 drills or one-on-one between the line and the D-line. I like the one-on-ones when, when it's a pass rush and it's this guy against that guy. And almost always it's Costanzo you know, going against Justin Houston. It's back in the day when it was Freeney over there, and it was, you know, it was just great battles. Yeah. And I did a story earlier in the week on talking to Costanzo about who are the best pass rushers you faced? This was a great st- continue. I, and, I love what you're saying. And his whole thing is he said, well, he said Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis. I <laughs> said, oh, I said, here we are, Colts bias. He said, no, I'm telling you, those two guys are as good as it gets. I said, so who's your, your greatest non-Colt? He said, Justin Houston of the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> so you, I, I could see where, you know, I, I could pry as much as I wanted. It wasn't going to go anywhere. But the whole idea is when you've got great going on great, and I'm going to put Costanzo in that great category. Mm-hmm. It makes you better, and and Justin Houston sort of agreed with that the other day. He said going against, he, he considers Costanzo one of the top left tackles in the league, and and this isn't like you you take it easy when you go on on one on one in in full pads, offense and defense. Sometimes they don't like each other. No, they respect each other, but but if people go up to Grand Park, the the best things to watch are these individual drills. I used to love it when they had running backs in blitz pickup and they're going against these linebackers. And you feel for the running backs because they're sort of stationary. That's what they got to do. And the linebackers come in full bore. But those are really the ones because, again, it's when you're watching this drill one-on-one, whether it's an end going against the tackle or a tackle and defensive tackle going against guard or center, you've always got the offensive line coach either barking or praising and whatever he's doing – the defensive coach is doing the other because he's getting PO'd because his guy's not doing the job. So, But th- th- those are the ones that really, if you're a football guy, that are fun to watch because it's, it's entertaining and you've got elite athletes going against each other full bore. We've seen some good battles between uh, wide receiver and cornerback as well. You mentioned Paris Campbell, a couple of really great catches that he had before this hamstring injury cropped right. up a bit. But uh, what, what Frank Reich said about him is, like, these are, quote, St- I'm going to be a stud wide receiver, quote unquote. Plays Frank, Frank normally doesn't say things like that. No, not at all. This is you know Chuck Pagano comparing uh, 
Malik Hooker Malik to Hooker Ed Reed. To Ed Reed. And, and, and fortunately, Chris, Chris Ballard's Ballard, favorite quote of all time. Right. He, he, he tamped that down a little bit. But when you've got your head coach saying, you know, hey, did you guys see that? Well, yeah, we did. So, uh, but it was, it, it was, he said what was, imp- what was impressive is these were not gadget plays from the slot. This was a guy making receiver plays against what one of them was a Jalen Collins. Former second round pick. Right. And I, I didn't see who it was on the far side, but uh, th- th- this is exciting because again, the idea is that is to let him be that slot guy and grow. And th- this was red zone, which you're thinking, okay, red zone, it's going to be, you know, maybe Jack Doyle, Ebron, Funches. And all of a sudden, you got Paris Campbell doing this. Pretty impressive. We've seen Devin Funches make some pretty good contested catches, too. Uh, he's a big guy. He's a strong guy. Those are the plays that, that you want to see your 6'4", 6'5", receiver make in training camp. And, 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 what's, interesting, and what, what's impressive about this is generally in camp, it's ones-on-ones. Mm-hmm. So it, it's Funches going against Pierre Desir or, or Kenny Moore or whomever. And I've, I've been impressed. Again, his history is too many drops in Carolina. He's had a few out here. But I've been impressed with the contested catches, you know, whether it's back shoulder or the sear right on right on there, and Funches is the one that comes down with it, and that's what you want because it, and a lot of this is red zone. This team wants to be better in the red zone. They were good last year in the red zone, but with all of these options they've got, we've talked about if Funches can be. Can you imagine if they can do with Funches's career what they did with Ebrins? Because these, their two careers in Detroit and Carolina were pretty similar. High hopes and all that, and they showed you flashes, but it never fulfilled it. If they can get out of Funches what they got, half, almost half of what they yeah. got out of Ebron, it'd be a heck of a year. Oh, yeah, if he has seven touchdowns, half sure. of what Ebron did, sure. Take it, absolutely. What about Deion Kane coming back from uh, his knee injury? Um, he looks good out there. He looks like he's healthy. He's ready, ready enough to go. I saw him working a little bit after practice today, so he's clearly not uh, so overworked that he has to go in and rest. He he's out there. He's putting in extra time, and he's he's eager to be back there for game one. I'm I'm sure. Of it. And he's less than a year removed from ACL surgery. Right. It was preseason opener last year. That's why I I've, I've probably been most pleasantly surprised with the first week and a half of camp is that Dion Kane, Ross Travis. And Jack Doyle have been out there. Now they've all had maintenance days, and again, uh, Ross Travis has the hamstring issue now. But they're out there playing. And Dion Kane to be out there and have, and he's we've talked to him in, in OTAs where he's he's got confidence in the knee again, and he's just and he's just playing. Now he's got to get back into you know top speed shape and all that, which will come with time. But anything he gets now is really important. And and we talked in our positional breakdown how we both are convinced and I still am that he'll be one of your top four or five receivers he just will be because they're that high on the kid and but at the same time it's going to take him a month or so to get back but very impressed with uh, Deion Kane thus far any observations that you have outside of what we've talked about so far I mean we were out there we watch practice I'll, I'll, I'll make mine and then I'll see what you have to say the, the linebackers the rookies especially Bobby Okereke, like he looks like he belongs. He really does to me. He's He goes step for step with uh, with people that he's out there guarding or blocking against. He's a big guy. He is fast like the Colts have told us he is. I think that there's a place somewhere for Bobby Okereke in this league just from my first couple of times watching him out there. What have you noticed? He might be your Sam linebacker. Mm-hmm. He's a Mike. He's playing Mike, but as little as they play base, maybe he's out there in the base uh, as a Sam. I think he plays a lot. I don't think he's going to take Anthony Walker's job mm-hmm. this year. Right. 
But again, I, I like the depth there. Uh, we've really not heard a lot about some of the, the guys that have come back, Matthew Franklin and Zaire Franklin. Matthew Adams. Matthew, I'm sorry, yeah. Matthew Adams. Zaire Franklin is, of course, from so that, that's Syracuse I, I, I got, I've got brain, brain <laughs> You, you knew it that. was coming already, so I it know. just jumbled your mind. Correct. C- continue. But, but I, that's why, I, and again, I, I, I like what I've seen from Denico Watt, we've talked about, mm-hmm. and, and uh, Taekwon Lewis. So, and I really like the competition at corner. I really like now Jalen Collins sort of started off strong and he sort of faded a little bit, but you just you really it's it's funny when you talk to Matt Eberflus and he says, well, we're still trying to figure out who our one, two, and our three is. We know that. <laughs> well, we know one and two is going right. to be Kenny Moore and Pierre Desir. What's interesting is more and more Rock is seen as getting reps with the ones. Maybe that's in, in place of Quincy Wilson. I talked to Quincy Wilson and he knows this is the big year. Yeah, he's come back. Well, as he said, lighter, leaner. He's one ninety one. He said the last time he was one ninety two, he was in eleventh grade. Ooh. So and he has, and we talked. What what's really incredible? This is his third year, and he's twenty two. Yeah, he's younger than what is it nine of the nine of the ten uh, draft picks. Wow. So, uh, but if they can get quality play from him, Rocky seems who's going to play. He, they're going to find a way to play the kid. They just are. So they're extremely deep there. And what we talked about br- briefly with, l- let's say, heaven forbid, they carry three quarterbacks. Maybe you steal a spot. You had to steal a spot from one of the defensive spots. Maybe you only carry five corners, which I think they can't want to carry six. But then maybe you only carry four safeties. So it's worth watching. It's Malik Cooker's played. I don't think he's taken much time off, which is encouraging. Clayton Gathers is getting a maintenance day off every now and then, but but at least he's been out there quite a bit. And Kahari Willis has played quite quite well. So, guys, I haven't I haven't known Marvell Tell much. Neither have I. But that's either good or bad. We, and neither one of us really expect him to make the the, the fifty three, but mm-hmm. maybe the practice squad. But by and large, it's it's you don't see guys showing that they don't belong, which is always encouraging. I'll I'll say this about Quincy Wilson: if he's dropped like twenty pounds or whatever it is from his college weight. And if you're down in Gainesville, Florida, where he went to college, and you have 20 extra pounds, and you're still going through practice every day, man, you're eating a lot. You are eating I think, I think a he lot. Said, I think he said he came in here at 213. Yeah, and I was at 192, 193, right. I think. Yeah. And his whole thing is is the body fat because he said what, what was in college, he said you just like most college kids, you just eat what you want to eat. Exactly. And then you're better than everybody else, so it doesn't matter. So who cares? Right. But speaking of weight. Uh, Darius Leonard is it? What do you say was two two twelve or something? Two twelve, two fifteen. He finishes last year at like two oh five. Yep. Because of the wear and tear, and he came he, in at like two thirty. I think came in last like year that. like two thirty five. Yeah. And uh, so now I think he can be too light at linebacker, but Robert Mathis went through this when when he played. He, he starts at whatever two forty five, two fifty. Then he's down two thirty, two thirty five. But he wants to be, you know, smaller, quicker, and, and don't and not lose. His strength, and uh, if it works for him, you know, God bless him. You have to work hard to maintain that if you come in at the weight that you that you want. Right. You have to you have to eat a lot more. You have to. Because you don't get that yourself. buffer to lose. Exactly. So, uh, and and one thing that um, that Darius brought up when he was talking about that, he brought up Telvin Smith, I think specifically of the Jaguars, who the Colts have seen plenty of the past couple of years, a former fifth round draft pick out of Florida State, another place in. Florida that it gets really hot went to the same high school as Kenny Moore actually Lowndes High School in Valdosta Georgia and he was another small linebacker but a tall linebacker very similar in stature to to Darius Leonard who who could play at 
210 or even right. 205 and that's smaller than many safeties yeah. out there but just because of because of his makeup and uh you can still be a successful linebacker at that size if and this is a big if and it's what Darius has brought up I think a bunch this year when people ask him how he can improve from year one to year two is getting off blocks you cannot get into an offensive lineman when you're 205 210 you've got to stay at arm's length right. use your long arms rip him away and not let him get their hands on you because if you do you're going to get swallowed up you'll disappear correct and that's what they don't want and maybe that's one of the big fears or concerns of this defense is what if you get into a game with a team that's just going to pound you they're just going to see if you can stand up into a 60 minutes of being pounded and that could be a Tennessee Titans with Derrick Henry something like that that's that's that that type of offense or Jaguars with a Leonard Fournette New England nowadays well, right. New England can do anything. They they seem to they they pick a team's weakness and go after it. So no team does yes. it better. Yeah. But but if you have a team that comes in like you say Jacksonville, not not Houston at all, no. but Tennessee and Jacksonville, where they're going to say we're going to run the ball thirty five times. How are you going to deal with it? Will this team hold up? They they did well last year when when that was the case. We'll say that. But there have been times in years past where that certainly hasn't been the case, and that depends on the defensive front. It depends on the linebackers getting off the blocks, like we've said. And, um, and yeah, so we have a couple more topics here we can hit quickly before we wrap things up here on the Blue Zone podcast. Uh, most impactful rookie. Which Colts rookie do you think will have the most impact on this team in 2019? We've seen a little bit of these guys through the first couple of days of practice. Um, and you just mentioned Rocky C, and you think he's going to get some play. We've mentioned Paris Campbell thinks on offense he's going to find a spot in there, assuming that hamstring heals up, which we certainly uh, will would lean that way that that's going to happen so out out of all the Colts rookies and I even brought up Bobby Okariki a little short time ago I think those are their first three picks in the draft and we mentioned Kari Willis has stood out pretty well in the defensive secondary I think Willis is the black is the dark horse to have the most impact on this team Mike because first of all if Clayton Gathers gets hurt he's going to slide in there and he's going to see a whole lot more playing time and just history tells us that Clayton Gathers is not going to play a full 16 games so I think Kari Willis is a reasonable one to slide in there Okariki I think he'll be effective I mentioned earlier I think he belongs out there but I don't know how much he'll be used it's still going to be mainly Walker and mainly Leonard in that group um and at wide receiver and corner, those are two positions that so many people are vying for spots right now. It's still hard to tell early. So if you had to bet on one, it would probably be one of those first two picks, either Yassine or Paris Campbell. But you can make a good argument, I think, either for uh, Willis especially and Okariki as well. I'm going Campbell. Okay. I just think that when Frank talks about him and when Sirianni talks about him, you get that little glimmer in their eye. They just... Like that mad scientist who say, "I know what I can do with this." Mm-hmm. I think they're gonna they're gonna scheme it to where this guy's gonna get six or seven touchdowns. I just think he will. Uh, it, 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 as long as there's not injury, we'll take injury out out of the mix. I just think they're gonna find ways to get him in position to make plays and let him sort of feature him. And this will be on a rookie year where he's sort of focusing on the slot. But maybe he's gonna be a return guy. He had a tough day, tough week returning punts. And if that's the case, I hope they're smart enough to say, you know, we're not going we're not going to do a Philip Dorsett again, right? Or or Naheem Hines, as far as that goes, he struggled. So I just think with with what Paris Campbell has to offer, and the way that Sirianni and Reich game plan, this guy's going to be put in position to make plays. And here's another thing about that: if he's struggling with returning punts, returning kicks, 
that gives Chester Rogers so much more opportunity to make this roster. I think that you'll agree with me. Both of you guys will agree with me when I say that because we've seen Chester. I saw him out there today taking number one reps at kick return uh, at the beginning of the at the beginning of practice today. It was him, and then Marlon Mack was out there, and Marlon even fumbled one back there in the end zone as he was trying to return it. But like Chester has been pretty darn sure-handed back there, catching punts and catching kicks for the most part. I think I, nothing immediately jumps out in my mind, but. You bring up Naeem Hines last year in the preseason. That was that was a disastrous preseason for him in terms of returning. And that that got to be mental. Exactly, it, it, it really totally did. did. And you don't want to get in your rookie's head in the preseason. You want to encourage him through this whole process. Well, and one thing too, I, was, I had forgotten when we talked to Paris Campbell that at Ohio State he was a kick returner, right? Not a punt returner. Mm-hmm. And those and are different skills. You, you either can do it. You're either a punt returner. Or you're not. I, I think it's very hard to teach a guy at this level. To be a punt returner, not running with it, but but securing the ball in the face of the rush, I think it's very difficult to try to make somebody into a punt returner unless he's just special. There there are many guys who've been able to do both, obviously, over their careers in the NFL. You talk about guys like Devin Hester, who is probably the greatest to ever do it. Um, you have guys like Brian Mitchell, who did it for a long time for the Redskins and the Eagles. A guy like a Mel Gray, even if you go back even further than that, and Eric Metcalf at the beginning early '90s, they could return kicks Dante and they can. Hall. Dante Hall, of course. Yes, there, there's a lot of guys who have done both, but they are different skills. Like we said, you, you need a special mindset to be able to return punts that you don't need if you're returning kicks. Sure, it, being fast and being shifty helps both both of them, but. But if you can't stand back there and consistently catch the ball um, in terms of returning punts... Knowing, when you, knowing there's going to be somebody right there. Yep, and, and be immediately ready to catch it and go. Like what, what? I think one thing that you really need is just, just vision. Because if you're looking up at the ball, and you have to look up at the ball, it's something that you don't need as much for kickoffs because you're going to go and you're going to look for your blocks and see where they're going. You have time. For punting, if you're looking straight up at the ball in the sky... You need some kind of peripheral vision to see below and see where guys are. And if you don't have that, you're just toast because you're going to look down and then it's going to take a half a second to register where everyone is. So guys with better vision are necessarily going to be better kickoff returners. And if you just don't have that, you're not going to be good at it, no matter how fast or how shifty you are. And as much as you'd like the big play that a punt returner can give you, I'm not sure there's a more of a debilitating play than fumbling a punt return. You've just made a great stop on defense. And you're saying, okay, we're getting the luck, ball back to luck, and then the guy botches it. So mm-hmm. you've got you've got to be confident. And right now, Chester Rogers gives you that. Paris Campbell gives you more upside, mm-hmm. but only if you secure the ball. And again, if they have five receivers on the team, they might have room for both of those guys. If they have six, they would certainly, I would think, have room for both of those guys. But again. I'll bring it back to our first discussion we had, Mike. If they carry three quarterbacks because they're not confident about Andrew Luck, then then who knows how this roster is going to shake out. We we can talk numbers later on, but I think it's going to be nine receivers slash tight ends. Is it five and four? Is it six and three? They love their tight ends. I talked to Sirianni, but they love their tight ends. Well, if you carry four tight ends, it's going to be tough to carry six receivers. Ross Travis is the guy that gets kind of shifted to the back burner because he had that ACL injury last year, but he had a pretty good camp last year and even preseason right. before he had that ACL injury. He got hurt like on the he said the second to the last play against the Bengals. Terrible. Can you imagine? No. You're thinking, hey, I, I've done this. I've All right, it. we've made it through. Here we go. Right, and, and boom. So you never know. So we will learn over the next couple of weeks 
that we never know anything until we until, until it makes uh till it makes week one of the regular season but this has been the colts blue zone podcast you can follow us on twitter at colts blue zone follow mike chapel at m chapel 51 you can follow me at dave g underscore sports for all of our training camp observations from westfield and beyond in that manner we'll have our chris widlick is going to buffalo next week so you can follow him i think it's at chris widlick oh i love anchor the anchor bar. bar it's lovely it's a hole in the wall but that's where that's it where is. the wings are they are fantastic wings the original wings just ask them but they, they're they're tremendous wings went visited there then heck go across go across the river go to canada go to the go to the casino over there have yourself Been a time there. yeah there. came back better or worse for the wear you, you take what you're gonna lose <laughs> so what you? I didn't think it's, it's, it's like you just giving to the local community, but it's a great time. Niagara Falls. I remember going there one year. Robin Miller and I at the star. He, he's who I took to Niagara Falls. Make of that what you will. Mm-hmm. But, uh, great. Hey, it's a great place. Follow Joe Hopkins as well uh, on the board for us at Roto Street Joe. And again, this has been the Colts Blue Zone podcast, the first one in the middle of training camp. We'll have a couple more for you before the regular season begins, of course. We'll try to make consistent throughout the week, Wednesdays usually, Thursdays perhaps. But check out our Twitter, like I said, at Colts Blue Zone for some updates there and our other musings throughout training camp. So we hope you've enjoyed it. Download, subscribe to make sure you get this delivered every week, and we'll see you next time on the Blue Zone.